Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And we are broadcasting from a very safe social distance. I'm at my home in Brooklyn. And I'm at my home on Long Island. So I haven't seen you in forever. This is it's weird. Been, it's been a long time. It's kind oh, of God. weird. I've had a lot of virtual dates over the past couple of days. <laughs> we can do one later, Torre, if you'd like. You've been really good at helping make sure that I am at the appropriate level of freaked out. You were the one who <laughs> sent me the uh, the video of Italian people speaking to themselves from 10 days ago, which was like, hey, you from 10 days ago, stop being stupid and buy a fucking mask. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hey, you, the worst case scenario, that's going to happen. Like, <laughs> I was pretty freaked out. And then after that, I was really freaked out. And just in general, I am super scared about like what's going on, partly because of the medical scientific part, but more because of the economic and political part in that we're headed for mass unemployment, mass layoffs, mass economic problems, perhaps an extended recession, depression. And this is largely predicated on us having no effective leadership. And that's not like yet another chance to knock Trump. No, it's quite clear Mm -hmm. that his inability to lead in the situation, his initial instinct to lie and gaslight and say, everything's fine. It's not a big deal. It'll go away quickly, led to market problems, the stock market freaking out, a lot of people freaking out. And a lot of this problem is because of his lack of leadership. And the fact that, I mean, you know, you hit the nail on the head yesterday in, you know, the what has become these daily coronavirus, I guess, press conferences, updates. I, I, I have no idea. I guess an opportunity for them to lie to our faces. I have no idea. But Donald Trump was asked by a reporter, you seem to have had a change in tone. You seem to be taking this more seriously. And he lies and says that... Um, he always took it I've all, He said, quote, I've always known this is a pandemic. I have felt it was a pandemic long before it was called a pandemic. And just to be clear so that folks understand 
how much of a liar he is, is that he was calling it a Democratic hoax two weeks ago. Not even two weeks ago. Not even two weeks ago. And back in January, again, we had a two month head start on what was unfolding in China, what would later go around the world, go to Europe, come here. We had a two month head start. But because Donald Trump decided to be in fucking denial, because he decided to pretend that it wasn't going to happen, because he really believes in this isolation, nationalistic ideology that what happens outside of U.S. borders will never penetrate the United States. And because he didn't use that time to strategize, to prepare, to build beds, to get companies support, to come up with an economic plan. We are here. Did Donald Trump create the coronavirus problem? No. But did he exacerbate it? Absolutely. I would be really curious to know what was it that actually changed his mind from saying it's a democratic hoax, it's just a flu, it'll just go away on its own. Because that would be valuable to saying to millions of people on the right who have not been taking it seriously because Trump and Fox have been telling them, don't worry, you don't have to take it seriously, it's a democratic hoax. Thank you, Trish Reagan. Um, Mm -hmm. Was there an article? Was there a stat? Was it Tucker Carlson going to Mar-a-Lago saying, hey, um, maybe we should actually drop the facade and the performance art that we normally do and say, actually, guys, this one's really bad and we need to deal with it. It would be instructive to know so that we could get millions of people who are on the right, who are still like, everything's fine. This is some bullshit. Could go like, well, actually... When Trump looked at this piece of information and, you know, the lack of leadership is not merely from his mouth because leadership is also what you do. Mm -hmm. And when we are told to practice social distancing and he goes up for his daily coronaviruses on a podium that is crowded with 20 people, (laughs) right, When, when he's shaking hands. And you know what? We need testing in this country. And he first refused to take the test like a petulant six-year-old and then i have no doubt that he is lying about having taken the test the test is a swab in the nose and throat Mm -hmm. and some people have said that it may bring tears to your eyes because it is invasive into the throat and back of the nose but that's not it doesn't really track it doesn't at all track with the vague description of it's unpleasant that he gave when asked. And sometimes I wish reporters would just ask him very basic factual questions. What is the test like? Americans who haven't had the test should know what exactly is it like, because we need millions of them to get tested. So can you just tell them what it's like? He would be unable to answer that question because he lied and he did not get the test. He did not get the test. And the development of the test, I am convinced... Right. I am convinced in this moment that the reason that there there are a couple of reasons. First, there is a whistleblower that came out from the White House that said that Donald Trump did not want mass testing because he doesn't want the numbers to explode because it's going to hurt his reelection and hurt the markets. So that's number one. And that was actually reported. The other thing that I believe as well is I think that him and his cronies are trying to figure out a way that they can profit off of the pain that this is causing. I believe that they are trying to figure out a way to patent their own coronavirus test so that they can sell it. 
right? This is mm. not, and it has never been about helping people. This has never been about Donald Trump's ability to put the country before his own interests. It is always comes back to Donald Trump. Adam Schiff told us that in the impeachment hearing. He said that if it does not help Donald Trump, Donald Trump will not do it. So in this situation, you have to think that he is going to put profit over the country's pain. You know, the Obama administration seemed to be one external crisis after another, be it Republican obstruction, financial collapse caused by the banking situation, the home banking situation, to, you know, what was going on in the Middle East, you know, in Syria, to Russia and Ukraine, to, you know, the child migrant crisis. It was just like one thing sort of being thrown at him, like locusts constantly being thrown at Mm -hmm. him. And the presidency usually is that, that you're just sort of dealing with incoming from the country and the rest of the world to say nothing of the gun crisis, you know, the Black Lives Matter crisis, on and on and on. And I thought that Trump would sort of crumble under the same sort of onslaught, but his administration has been consistently self-made crisis after self-made crisis. Mm-hmm. But this is not self-made. It is self-exacerbated. Yes. But, you know, even somebody who was on top of it still would be dealing with a crisis in this situation. And it's just, it's interesting that it's taken so long for there to be a truly externally imposed crisis that we're seeing finally his inability to lead causing a mass problem for all of us. I mean, <laughs> you know, my kids used to read this book called Should We Let the Pigeon Drive the Bus? And like, obviously, that would be horrible and because <laughs> pigeons don't have hands. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's fair, like, you know, we, we let the pigeon drive the bus for three years and he actually was not hitting that many cars and now suddenly the bus is about to go over a fucking cliff the bus is over the the bus is over the cliff the bus is definitely over the cliff and the other thing that donald trump is doing while the coronavirus is spreading rapidly around this country to this taping right now we are at over two hundred thousand cases around the world right in the united states the line shows that we are trending Literally, it looks like a mirror image of Italy, which means that our way of life, which has already been upended. I mean, you know, Torre, we've been joking for months now, like if we still have a country would be Mm. our tagline at the end of the show. And, you know, we made a joke, I think, on one of the last recordings that we did together that we would be recording from a bunker. Mm. Right. And here here we actually are. Oh my God. Right. The the world, like literally the world oh as we know it has changed. And I don't know, frankly, if it's going to go back to quote unquote normal. I think that we all are going to embrace and have to embrace what is becoming this new normal. And the reality is, is that we need leadership. We need leadership through this moment that helps usher us through what is this new normal. I mean, doomsday preppers do not look stupid or silly right now. No, they don't. (laughs) People are like, you should be taking some money out of the bank. God forbid Mm -hmm. you wake up one day and you can't get money out of the bank. We are already seeing people raid the supermarket. And uh, thankfully in New York, the supply lines have continued to work. So when I go to the supermarket, most things that I need are there. 
you know, but I worry about the election. Yeah. And not just the presidential election, but like, you know, we're seeing, you know, Ohio diluted some of Super Tuesday number three by pushing off. The president cannot legally push back or postpone or cancel the presidential election, but he hasn't allowed the law to stop him from doing so many things. Exactly. So, so, I mean, you know, could we see some sort of backdoor maneuver where you have Republican governors in key states say, well, we're going to close election centers in a third of the state, which happens to be Democratic areas to try to tamp down Democratic participation. I would not be surprised if they tried to use Corona in some political way Absolutely. like that. And like They're going to vote a suppression. Vote suppression is in their blood. That's what they do. Right. They don't try and increase the electorate. They don't try and create policies that will appeal to more people. What they do is try and suppress the vote. Now, look, there are public safety concerns and public health risk in large gatherings. We know that. But you have months now, months of lead time, over 200 days until Election Day to prepare a way for people to be able to exercise their citizenship, their power, their vote safely. Right. But do you think that the Trump administration, the federal government is putting together a plan for that when they couldn't put together a plan for the fucking coronavirus that we had a two month lead time about? And frankly, if you look at the Politico article that came out earlier this week that said the Obama administration in a mandatory meeting with the Trump administration the week before inauguration was running through training exercise of disaster situations, one of which was a pandemic. And there were folks that are in that room on the Trump side that were asleep in the meeting and many of which are not even still employed by the Trump yeah. administration. Yeah, we have no pandemic office, right? He disbanded that. I mean, <laughs> if any, if you ever needed anything, there's lots of governmental jobs that we need that are unmanned or un. Uh, there's nobody in them at this time, but like that's definitely one that you didn't want to disband, and they did, and here we are. Mm -hmm. It's just you know I don't think that we realized how important government is, how important these agencies are that many of us don't know their names, right? Don't really know what go on there, but we had faith that there were systems that were in place to help us. And what the presidency and the administration of Donald Trump has shown us is just how vulnerable those organizations, those agencies are to corruption. Also, how yeah. important government can be in a lot of moments and the Republican sort of thesis that government is not important. It should be shrunk to the size that it can be strangled in the bathtub is complete bullshit. We do need government to take care of us on a day-to-day -day basis. We don't realize on a day-to-day -day basis how much we need mm -hmm. the fire department, the police department, these basic services that government takes care of. But now we truly need government to save us and it's not there. And now we have, after months of the right, posturing against even the whiff of socialism, the right is saying, let's just give everybody a thousand or two thousand dollars. That is socialism. Mm -hmm. Let's just 
bail out all the small businesses. Let's just bail. That is socialism. And yet nobody would no none of the, nobody on the right is going to rip up their check when they get a thousand dollars from the government. The government needs to take care of us in this situation. And and what I'm hearing is not even going far enough. You had a tweet that went pretty viral in terms of like we need to be able to suspend um, paying yeah. our bills, our, right? Our mortgages and our rents. They did it in Italy and they did it in France. I mean, like we need that and just to keep people calm in this mm-hmm. period. And I was happy to see Steve Mnuchin say, Mnuchin, Minusha say that, uh, <laughs> That's what say, I call. say that, you know, we're going to have an extra 90 days to pay our income taxes, which is really helpful for freelancers like me and perhaps for you. Mm-hmm. But like for a lot of Americans, that's not going to make any difference. They've already paid their income taxes through the year. They're going to still be able to get their refund. But that's not necessarily going to change that much for a, for most people who are already paying their income taxes as the year goes on. Um, God, I mean, like, I, I am waking up every morning basically Panic. in a cold sweat trying to say, like, okay, we can make it through today. The world is not going to collapse today. And then I watch MSNBC for 10 minutes and I freak out even more and I have to turn it off. Yeah. You know, I was just watching because, you know, the both of us are obviously in New York. So I'm paying a lot more attention to the local news station. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Then I than I ever normally would. And, you know, you have these county executives because I'm on Long Island. You have these county executives that are getting on our local channels every day. They're telling people to stay calm. They're telling people to take care of their mental health. In this in this moment, they're telling people who are in recovery, who are are recovered addicts and and alcoholics, um, meetings are canceled, right? So mm. these tools that people have used in order to uh, in order to ensure their sobriety are no longer there, right? So I don't think that we have a deep understanding you know, of all of the things that have been upended. And so when I, when I hear these leaders, uh, and I, again, I have to praise local government, state government for the work that they're doing, um, because they're showing leadership that Donald Trump isn't. Do you, have you heard Donald Trump utter one time in any of these pressers that he is sorry and has, and is, is sharing condolences and showing any type of empathy for the people that have died thus far. No. That I share that I share your anxiety and panic in this moment, but we're Americans and we'll get through this together. Have no. you heard that at all? No. no, no. Instead, he's tweeted and he's referring to the coronavirus as the Chinese, the Chinese virus. Virus, right? Which is just pure racism and it's, inciting and, and inciting and violence. Right. Inciting violence against the Asian Pacific Islander community in the United States at a time when we should be coming together as a people, as a country and rallying together. He is further trying to divide us. Of course, you saw one of the White House reporters who is Asian yesterday reported that one of the White House staffers referred to it as the Kung flu right to her face. And she was like, what are they saying when I'm not there? And, you know, one other thing, too, I mean, this the Chinese virus, like just so inappropriate, so misinformed, so bullshit. Um, 
you know, a week ago, I think it was about a week. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard to remember how rapidly this thing has grown and changed in our consciousness. But I think it was about eight days ago that black people were still saying, Hey, you notice we're not getting it. Like we're not getting it. Like mm-hmm. it's just for them. And, you know, in the past several days, we've seen multiple NBA players, including Kevin Durant and yep. Idris and, and uh, the, great actor Idris Elba getting mm-hmm. it and like nobody is saying that anymore and that was a really dumb idea to begin with that the virus would skip black people like there is no uh biological difference for race it is a social construct no disease would know the difference between black and white people and i know that black people are more likely to get sickle cell but mm-hmm. that that has nothing to do with what i'm talking about that also come, breaks down to a more social um distinction rather than anything actually biological white people can and do get that as well um so i mean just the the idea that like well it wasn't coming for us is like Th- I mean, it was dumb. it was just it was just foolish, right? It was foolish. Um, the the reality is, like uh, Trump and his sycophants and his fucking band of racists, um, referring to this as the Chinese flu, as the Kung flu, as whatever stupid fucking elementary bullshit that they come up with, isn't helping, right? And, you know, I know that all of these elections are the, the, these primaries are being pushed back. And one of the tweets that I sent out, you know, today was like, can we move instead of moving things back? Why don't we move them up? Mm. Right. Like, I don't want to wait until November because I don't know what America is going to look like in November. Right. That? We're talking about 20 percent unemployment. Right. We're talking about the Dow Jones falling off of a cliff. You're talking we're talking about people who had 401ks. Completely being wiped out. Mm. You know, Mitt Romney is trying to, to trying to uh, uh, institute the Yang plan of a thousand dollars. Except if it ain't a thousand dollars a week, I don't want to fucking hear about it because at one cash out of a thousand dollars, what the fuck is that doing? Tell me whose mortgage in this country, whose rent is a thousand dollars? Right? Is that what is that going to do exactly? If you want to do something in this moment and you are in a, a a political position, if you want to do something, suspend bills, suspend rent, suspend mortgages so that people feel like on top of trying to keep their health together, that they're not going to lose their fucking homes. You know, I, I just it's 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 so I am so outraged by where we are because I feel like if President Hillary Clinton had been in place right now. Oh, come on. Come on. Come on. I would feel I would feel a lot better because I'd feel like an adult was at the wheel, not a pigeon. <laughs> and the self-congratulatory nature of Trump, I've been doing a very good job. I give myself a 10 out of 10. That's not leadership. That's not what leadership does. Leadership does not waste time telling you what a good job it's doing. A -hmm. dictator does that because he wants to maintain the image of himself as a dictator. But true leadership does not concern itself with self. It is selfless Mm -hmm. and it is supposed to take care of the people. And if the people are suffering, then you are doing a bad job. 
and the people are suffering and scared. And at a moment when I would like to imagine that the leader is working 24-7 and not sleeping and constantly trying to figure out what can we do, I know that by 6 p.m., he's on executive time. Yesterday, we noted at 3 p.m., a tweet responding to MSNBC. So he's watching TV at 3 p.m. At 3 p.m.? Like with, with, I mean, his feet are up, bonbons in his lap, right? Curlers in his hair. Like, what the fuck? And every single person, every single person that got up to speak, praise Donald Trump. Thank you so much for working into the night. I'm sorry. That's the job you signed up for, isn't it? Like, thank you so much for, for, you know, for, for giving us up, giving of your time. I'm sorry. I didn't realize that the presidency was an internship or a volunteer position. Mm. The amount of praise that that Pence puts out on him every single time he opens up his mouth. I said that his lips must be chapped from the amount of ass kissing that he does on a regular fucking basis. <laughs> yeah. I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I'm really scared. I don't know what is coming. And I also am sad about where we're going with the uh, Democratic primary. Mm -hmm. Sanders, Sanders is done. Done. The idea that we would have a real progressive is done. The people Over. have spoken. They want somebody who is nice and not revolutionary and decent and a fairly typical politician who isn't going to try to rock the boat. They may not realize, I think a lot of people don't realize that he is not for Medicare for all. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize that Joe Biden uh, spent many decades trying to cut Social Security, which is something that probably Trump is politically unable to do, but that Joe Biden could do. Um, Republicans would probably try to help him with that. That was something that was on the table and we were close to in the Obama administration. Um, I am sad that despite a vibrant field of black and brown and female candidates who had progressive ideas for the country, we have fallen back on the most typical vacuous politician that we could have gotten and who has nothing new or fresh and, you know, him promising to put a woman on the ticket that to me was the final moment. I was like, oh, well, you know. And it's interesting because Bernie did not follow that up with a declarative. Yes, I will definitely put a woman on the ticket. But he said it matters what her ideology is, that I want somebody who's truly progressive with me. And Biden giving a a blank, yes, I will nominate a woman, also allows him to nominate somebody like Sarah Palin. And I don't, obviously he's not going to nominate literally Sarah Palin, but somebody who is not actually for women. And I don't, again, I don't think that he would 
nominate somebody who is uh, anti-choice or, you know, anti, uh, you know, things that women need, but he's, I, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if it's, if it's, I, I'm hoping it's Kamala, maybe Elizabeth Warren. I'm looking for a way to make me excited about this ticket because right now I'm just not. I mean, you know, I'm not excited. Look, Biden wasn't my first choice. He wasn't my second choice, wasn't my third choice, wasn't my fourth choice. Okay. <laughs> wasn't wasn't my um, fifth choice. <laughs> but he is, in fact, now America's choice, right? He is the Democrats, the Democrats' choice. And so what is giving me hope in this moment? And let me tell you, it is a struggle. Um, but what is giving me hope in this moment is that there are policies that Biden is adopting. Um that he needs to, like Elizabeth Warren's bankruptcy plan. Um, there are things that Biden is open to doing now um, that we need him to do. There is a nimbleness and a flexibility that I think that we have with a Joe Biden that I am not concerned about who the VP choice is going to be because I think that he will actually listen to the people around him, unlike the current president that we have. I think that Joe Biden will build up an administration that we can admire much in the same way we did with many of the people that were part of the Obama administration. You mean like I, with Jamie Dimon? You would admire that? Because uh, I sure wouldn't. Jamie Dimon's name got floated. They will, Let's see how this works out. Did you admire that? No, I don't admire that. But I mean, I'm that's, talking that's about That's what we're talking about. That's like, what we're talking about. You know, being floated like Val Demings, Representative Val Demings, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams. So it appears now that Bernie Sanders is suspending his campaign right now. Is that what we're seeing? Seeing that on the tweets. Tweets right now. Or in the streets. Yes. According to Axios, Bernie Sanders has suspended his campaign. Not a surprise. Yesterday was another dismal day for him. There was no further path. I mean, you know, good for him for not stretching it out too long when there was no more of a chance. Um, It's unfortunate that a really important candidate in the history of the democratic party was not able to break through because of the moment, which was so suffused with fear and people wanting the safest choice. And he was talking about revolution, which people were afraid of inherently um, because change itself is scary. I think that he may have misestimated the impact of personality um, over ideology in a moment like this, where Joe Mm -hmm. seemed nice and easy to get along with and well-known for a long time, where to a lot of people who did not love Bernie, that he reminded them of grandpa yelling at you to get off his lawn. Right. Um, And Bernie did not deal with his issue with black voters. No. And four four years ago, he had a problem with black voters, 
And he did nothing to deal with that in terms of bringing over people or bringing in ideas that would speak directly and powerfully to black voters. He didn't do that. Black voters did not come out for him any more than they did in 2016. And now he goes back in the heap with everybody else. From the New Yorker staff writer Vincent Cunningham, a keenly observed novel of a young black man searching for his place in the world amidst a moment of historic change. Great Expectations is about David's 18 months working for the senator's presidential campaign. Along the way, David meets a myriad of people who raise a set of questions. Questions of history, art, race, religion, and fatherhood that forced David to look at his own life anew and come to terms with his identity as a young black man and father in America. Inspired by the author's experiences working on Obama's 2008 presidential campaign, Cunningham uses a political campaign as his narrative backbone. Great Expectations will be one of the talked about novels of the year, Colin McCann. Great Expectations is available wherever books are sold. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change, a brand new podcast from Mac Blue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities. Healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country. Immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun. And candidates in states with razor thin margins. Listen to Build the Change Now wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I mean, look, if Bernie Sanders was going to hang on, what it was going to show was that this had all been about ego and it had nothing to do with the party. The math is not in his favor. And so, you know, people right now are like, wait, why is he suspending his campaign? Are you dumb? Right. Are you stupid? Do you see where we are? Did you watch last night's results? It is apparent. He had no pathway forward. And frankly, Bernie Sanders could not blame the establishment, right? Like he has been known to do. He couldn't blame, you know, the Democratic Party for having it out for him. No, the people, like you just said, came out and they voted. He had an opportunity to grow his base, to show his understanding of race, right? And have a, have a, a systemic approach to his policies and ideas that were inclusive of people of color, particularly black people. And he didn't. He put all of his weight, all of his money on the 18 to 25 year old group who don't vote in the fucking primaries. So if he were serious, he would have been doing both and and he didn't. Yeah. So Bernie Sanders failure in this moment is Bernie Sanders fault. Yeah. He's got a whale. He's got to shoulder a lot of this blame. He did not. He did not woo black voters. Black voters no. are the core of the Democratic Party because we tend to vote as a block in a way that white people and Asian people and Latino people, Latinx people do not. 
And you can quite often find 60, 70, 80% of black voters voting for the same candidate. And that will mean that we're going to bring them home. And he didn't get it done. He didn't Joe get Biden, it done. Joe Biden swamped him among black voters, swamped everyone among black voters consistently, you know. And you wonder, I, you know, we'll never know what would have happened if Joe had stayed home. You know, and I know that was a thought. Maybe we don't go out and do it. You know, there was a time when Joe was getting trounced and it seemed like maybe he should quit for the good of his legacy. And, um, you know, it's one of the more interesting comebacks in electoral history. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but black voters, especially older black voters, knew him, liked him you know, and were down to ride for him because he stood beside Barack Obama. (sighs) You know, and I just, and I, you know, I I will go further and say that it isn't just because he stood by uh, Barack Obama. And I know that we made the joke that, you know, about the cookout and how he has like a standing invitation and we were asking the question, why? The reality is, is that Bernie Sanders didn't do his job and black people are not about democratic socialism. They're about institutions that actually will work to help them, the most marginalized. And if Bernie Sanders plan had been about that and not just talking about, oh, the economy is going to work for everybody. Well, it works really bad for some people. Right. And so what are the parameters that you're putting in place for them? You know, it isn't about equality across the board for every for everyone. It's about equity because there are some people that have far less. And the fact that he couldn't comprehend that was his problem. And so black people were very I don't want to sell out black folks and be like, oh, well, they just voted for him because he stood next to Barack Obama. No, I think that it's it's deeper than that. Because we're a lot more complex than that. And we've been through a lot more strife and struggle and have a long history and understanding of this country that Bernie Sanders just does not. And so I think that when you had, um, you know, the South Carolina representative, right, Clyburn come out and save Biden It was because of that. And when Jim Clyburn said, Bernie Sanders didn't even bother to call me. Mm. That's when we knew. That's all I needed to know. I was done with Bernie Sanders before, but that it was all I needed to know. Is that he didn't even bother because he didn't think it was important. I mean, you know, I'm still confused. I'm not confused, but I am about. Why Elizabeth Warren didn't work out better. She had a great personality. She had an overt racial agenda that was not pandering, that was talking about reparations, that was talking about HBCUs, that was talking about racial justice. That she had the ideas that many voters wanted she had, I felt like she was the perfect calibration of progressive ideas, winning personality, reach out to black and brown people, can do sort of person. 
And I feel like the problem is that she has ovaries and that a lot of voters said, we can't risk nominating another woman. As if Hillary's only problem is that she was a woman. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, you know, I mean, you know, perhaps also perhaps if Elizabeth Warren had been more aggressive earlier in debates, she was she chose to be super nice in the debates until fairly late. And the way she beat up Mike Bloomberg um, and made it seem like, oh, I would love to see her do that to Trump. That would be awesome. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if we've chosen the right person. He may win, but I don't know if we've chosen the right person. Look, you know, it, it at this point, it don't fucking matter. We're in the midst of a pandemic with a fucking toddler at the at the helm. We don't have a choice. And, you know, sometimes when you're backed into a corner, you can come out swinging. And I hope that we come out swinging as a party. I hope that we don't allow not only Donald Trump to steal this election, but the coronavirus and governors to steal this election. I hope that we come out in force. And what the numbers showed yesterday is that we were at 2016 level turnouts in several of the states that had primaries yesterday, regardless of the virus, because I think because of the virus, people realize that we need new leadership. Hey, I'm Alok, the host of Build the Change a brand new podcast from MacBlue about the people at the center of progress. Join us on a journey across the country as we uncover stories about the everyday folks working together to build something bigger than themselves. Real change. You'll hear from students in Appalachia advocating for LGBTQ-friendly books in their communities, healthcare workers providing telehealth abortions across the country, immigrant farm workers fighting for their safety in the blazing sun, and candidates in states with razor-thin margins. Listen to Build the Change now, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. So I have to we have to believe in us and the collective power of us in this moment now more than ever. The collective power of us. I love how the millionaires in the NBA are saying, I'm going to help the employees. But the billionaire owners, uh, except for Mark Cuban, I don't hear anybody saying that, you know, where are the billionaires who have huge stockpiles saying, you know, DM me your your bills, I'll Venmo you. I got you. Cause I got a billion dollars in the bank. I'm Mike Bloomberg. I could pay, I could pay a, a million people's bills and not blink. Cause I got 65 billion. I'm Jeff Bezos. I'm Mark Zuckerberg. I could pay your bills for the state of California and it wouldn't even matter. It'd be a rounding error to me. I'm Bill Gates. Mm-hmm. Where are you? Where are you? Where is the private market that was supposed to take care of us when, you know, if, if everything works better. Yeah. 
the, you know, I think about the amount of money I got to say, just because you brought up Bloomberg five over five hundred million dollars. Bloomberg spent on his vanity project to run for president right now. New York state could use that as a stimulus package. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That could be incredibly helpful in this moment. Mike Bloomberg could give New York just on its own $2 billion as a stimulus. And he'd still be a multi-billionaire many times over. But he could not give every American a million dollars. Yeah, the oh math was off. The math, the math, the math is was off on that one. Oh my god! Oh my god! This month has seemed like a year. Oh. I, you know, I, I want to tell you, Torre, from our uh, social distance bunkers, that things are going to get better. Um, but I don't know, and so. What I want to tell everyone, including myself out loud, is that you just have to be in the present moment. As my yoga mother says, you just have to be in the present. You have to root yourself in the present. You have to find joy in the little things that maybe all of this being stripped away, all of the extra brings you back down to the basics of enjoying a walk of playing a board game with your family, of reading a book that you've been putting off, of having some deep introspection. If you are if you are a creative, you know, use this moment to create something, anything. How is your mother? My mother is doing very well, and I appreciate you so much for holding down democracy-ish while I tended to her um, emergency surgery. She is doing well, um, and we are so grateful that she was in and out of the hospital before all of this broke. Mm. Um, Because let me tell you, the hospitals are shut down, there are no visitors, and I could not imagine the people right now who are separated from their loved ones who are in hospital because they can't go and see them. I could never have imagined my mother going through brain surgery and us being outside of that room. I slept by her bedside for five of the eight days that she was in the hospital because the one of the last days um, that she was there, the hospital was shut down and I couldn't get up to her room. Um, So my heart goes out to those people who, you know, the one thing that their loved ones could do was visit them every day and now they can't do that. Hmm. So we all just need to take care of each other more during this time. Well, God bless you and her for that. Um, Thank you for taking a moment out of your day to listen to Democracy-ish. I'm Torre. And I'm Danielle Moody-Mills. And we will be back next week with more If... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> There's still it's just not funny anymore. <laughs> <laughs>